Welcome to the LSQ Podcast. Our church began in April of 2017, and our vision is to joyfully live as reflections of God's love together in the city. This podcast will primarily feature sermons from Sunday worship and the occasional bonus content. We hope you'll subscribe. Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 126. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter, our tongues with songs of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Carolyn Graham. Uh, good morning to you all. Um, I, I'll just stand right here. I'll move this a little bit. I'll center up a little more. Um, my name is Graham Said, is Eric Lipscomb. I serve as a campus minister along with Graham. Uh, with RUF, Reformed University Fellowship, up at Columbia University. And uh, LSQ is uh, my family's church home as well, and so it's just a privilege to be uh, seeing the, the broader spectrum of uh, you know, the body of Jesus, not just uh, 18 to 22-year-olds. So uh, thank you for having me. Um, now, this, uh, today we're going to continue in our uh, Summer psalm series. Um, I guess Michael took a little break in, in Exodus last week, but uh, prior to that we've been going through uh, the book of Psalms. And this morning, uh, as, as Carolyn just read, we're going to look at Psalm 126. Uh, before we jump in to look at that, though, um, you know, what are the Psalms? Why do we have uh, these, these poems, these songs? Well, what they are is, is just that. They are these 150 songs and poems uh, which served as the, uh, the hymn book of ancient Israel. And these, these songs are sort of like the, the greatest hits. Uh, these are the, the songs that have been shaping the people of God for centuries. And so if you read through the Psalms as a whole... Um, you notice that they, they give full expression uh, to all of our human experience and our emotion, right? You can read a psalm and find one about if you're, if you're feeling despair, um, you're, if you're needing confidence, uh, if you're feeling fearful, or even if you're just wanting something to name your delight, right? There's a psalm there for you. And so we sing these psalms. And what they do uh, is at least two things for us. Uh, first, in these songs, in these psalms, God gives us the words we need to express ourselves, Right? He, he invites you to bring your full and honest and authentic self to him, however you are feeling. Right? If, you, if you've ever been like me and had trouble naming what is going on inside of you, um, naming you know, how you're feeling, what you're doing, um, how you're experiencing the world, um, you will find God-given language in the Psalms to name that experience. Right? The Psalms name and express our emotions. But they don't just do that. that. Actually, the other thing they do is as we sing these songs, as we sing these Psalms, they shape us. They orient our desires towards God and form us more and more into the people that God desires us and intends us to be. Right, so the Psalms, they, they let us express ourselves and they shape us. And Psalm 126 uh, is no exception to that. If, if you look in uh, your Bible, you'll see that Psalms 120 through 134, uh, they're called the Psalms of Ascent. And they serve this sort of unique function in the life of the people of God. Right? The Israelites, what they would do is they would sing these songs as they were going up to worship God in the temple in Jerusalem, right? They, they had these rhythms of life where they would, would have festivals throughout the year. They would gather uh, to celebrate God's goodness together, to remember his past faithfulness, uh, and then to encourage one another uh, along in pressing on in faith uh, and clinging to God's promise. 
And so what does Psalm, 26, Psalm 126 enable us to do? Well, here's what I think it does. As we long for restoration, we learn how to endure with defiant hope. Right? As, as we long for restoration, we learn how to endure with defiant hope. And so that's, that's what we're going to look at today. Two points. Uh, so I didn't have a third, so a little trigger warning for some of you Redeemerites. Uh, <laughs> just know where we're going. Uh, uh, longing for restoration and then enduring with uh, defiant hope. Uh, so first, our, our longing for restoration, right? This is why we need this psalm. Because every single day, you and I are forced to reckon with the world's brokenness in some way. Right, now that is, that is no novel uh, insight, uh, but it is true for everyone here. That whether you are here and you are a Christian uh, or you're not. Right, maybe, maybe you've just read the news this week and you're saddened by the state of the world. Right? Thinking of our, our psalm, you know, our, our, our prayer of lament here. Thinking about international wars, thinking about political turmoil. Right? Maybe it's, it's more personal for you. Maybe you're when weighed down by work stress. Maybe you're, you're thinking about that, that situation in your family that's going on, and you're processing that. Maybe, maybe you're longing for intimacy, right? This busy city, like, I just need one friend here. Right? Or, or maybe you want a, a romantic partner to share your life with. Maybe you even just long for a sense of intimacy in your relationship with God. You've been in a season uh, of dryness, this sort of dry place for an extended amount of time spiritually now. Right, weighed down by brokenness, uh, you know, maybe in some kind of dry place. That's actually exactly where this psalm presently locates, uh, the psalmist locates himself in verse 4 of our text. Right, obviously, you know, we start with verses 1 through 3, but they're almost like a, like a flashback. Uh, they're this, you know, we'll come back to this. Uh, there's this flashback, you know, of a movie that starts with a flashback and then kind of snaps to the, to the present. Uh, verse 4 brings us into the present context and situation. And the psalmist does so by using this metaphor. And he basically says, I'm in the Negev, right? Here I am reporting to you live from the Negev. Now, what is the Negev? Right, this is, this is a reference to the southern part of Israel. Uh, it's this vast desert. Uh, and that word even just comes from, uh, you know, uh, the Hebrew word is this root that means to be parched. Uh, and it's known for being an arid and rocky, dry, lifeless place where it rarely ever rains. And so, so this is this dry terrain where life and restoration seem improbable at best. Right? There are very few signs of hope in this place. Right? And so that's where they're at. Like the psalmist is saying, we're looking at the world, we're looking at life, and we're seeing nothing but desert. But there are no rain clouds on the horizon. On the one hand, I'm longing for restoration, longing for things to be different. And yet, I'm deeply tempted towards hopelessness because restoration seems so improbable in this moment. Um, this, this week, I uh, heard from multiple friends uh, who have received difficult medical diagnoses just, to, just in the last week. And uh, it, it just so happens that in both of these cases, there's not like a clear uh, plan of recovery. It's not like, you know, get some surgery and, and do PT and then you'll be okay. Um, it, basically, there's like a, it's like palliative care, uh, observing how things go, and then we'll kind of judge a little bit down the road what to do. Right? And, and, and in both of these scenarios, right, it, it, you look at these things, and it's it places where uh, restoration seems improbable. And, and so I know for me, and, and certainly even more for my friends, right, we, we long for restoration. And yet, and yet not seeing that or not knowing the way forward, we're tempted towards hopelessness. Right? And I think this is what the, the psalmist is describing, right? He's actually not just talking about the stuff out there that's impersonal or detached. Like, wow, yeah, like all that stuff is, is bad, you know, out there. But this is brokenness that's hitting very close to home. 
And it's deeply, deeply personal. And so when you find yourself in that situation, facing this, staring this down, where do you go? What do you do? Well, according to our psalm, he's inviting us, saying the first thing we do is we go straight to the Lord. Right, again, you can, you can feel the personal nature of this, right? The, the verse 4, this crying out, restore us, God, restore. God, come and do something about our heart-wrenching circumstances. Right, this is going to God, calling for his help and intervention. Right? And we see that as his first step. It's sort of modeling for us how we are to go, uh, what we're to go about in longing for restoration. Go to God. Start by seeking his mercy and help. Right? This psalm trains us to go to God first. And, and again, I realize that is also not a terribly novel insight. And yet, if, if I'm honest, how often do I actually go to God as my first resort? Like, this is much more often a last resort for me. Right? My first instinct is to just kind of think about how I'm feeling. If I'm feeling insecure, then I, like, try to numb myself, right? I, I scroll my phone. Um, I'll go to the pantry, see what kind of snacks are in, are in there. Uh, if I'm feeling more confident, like, kind of looking at myself, feeling more self-confident, right? I'll, I'll just sort of start to game plan, you know, strategize. Okay, got this hard situation. What do I do? Right? How am I going to fix this? How am I going to solve this thing? Right? I, I begin to treat restoration like it's a, you know, a DIY project. Right? Do it yourself. Right? Figure things out on my own. Right? And both of these things are actually just functions of looking at myself, looking at myself first. Right? If I'm feeling insecure, numbness. If I feel secure or confident, um, you know, go toward do it myself. Right? And that actually keeps me from going to the Lord. Right? It keeps me from, in my longing, going to the person who can actually do something about it. Right now, now, maybe that's also not you, right? Maybe, maybe you're just, again, feeling defeated. I mean, what is even the point of praying? What is even the point of planning, right? You, we, we mentioned just the dryness is overwhelming. Right? The improbability of restoration has left me in a place struggling to hope. And that is so real. That is so understandable. But I also want you to look at the psalmist's cry, right? Restore our for- fortunes, O Lord, like what? Like streams in the Negev. And what this original audience would have known about the Negev is that it was full of these wadis, right? These sort of dry, rocky little valleys in the desert, right? It, that if you look at them uh, during most of the year, they look like uh, just nothing. There's just improbable that any water or life could ever be found there. But what would happen is that it, it, in time, in their annual time, the clouds would roll in, the rains would come, and those dry, cracked valleys would then become rushing rivers, right? These dormant plants that had been there you couldn't see them, would spring to life. Right? The Negev very much is an improbable place to find water, and yet those wadis are one shower away from this whole area teeming with life and flowing with water. And so this prayer here is saying, God, you can provide the rain. You can bring refreshment to the driest parts of our world and to the drought-stricken areas of my life. God, you can bring restoration in this hopeless situation. It is a calling on God to do what he alone is able to do. God can bring life into the most improbable situations, into the most desolate circumstances. And again, if you're here and you're a Christian, you know this is actually the heart of everything that we profess to believe. If you recall the Apostles' Creed, right, the, the, the most basic and succinct summary of Christian doctrine, right, right in the middle, right, we say, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, right? Improbable birth. 
For he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. Right, and so, so think about those two days, right? The, the Friday of Jesus' execution, and then that Saturday. Right, it was game over. Jesus, was di- Jesus had died. He was put and sealed in a tomb with guards guarding it. Right, and all of this was witnessed by hundreds, if not thousands, of people. And, and I dare to say that none of them were holding out hope of, the restoration, of restoration at that point. But then Sunday came. Right there in the ground, his body lay, light of the world by darkness slain. And bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. And as he stands in victory, sin's curse has lost its grip on me. For I am his and he is mine. Right? And if you're a Christian, it means that you are a resurrection person, a resurrection woman, a resurrection man. Right? You believe that Jesus Christ overcame death itself. And that, so therefore there's nothing that is beyond the scope of his restoration. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Right? In your longing for restoration, go to Jesus first, the one who has brought life out of death, who promises that the same for all who trust in him. Right? Go to him. Go to Jesus first. And if you do that, when you do that, then you can begin or continue to live and you endure with defiant hope. Right? And really, that, that's the sort of the encouragement from the, the rest of this psalm. Right, the first part is looking at our longing. The second part is, is living or enduring with defiant hope. Right, now, now, what do I mean by defiant hope? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm borrowing that phrase uh, from another pastor. I thought it was so good that uh, just doing that. But, you know, uh, what, is, what, is, what is defiant hope? What does that look like? Well, I think part of it looks like what we see in verses 5 through 6. Right? Those, the, you see the tears there. Um, but it is actually looking through those tears to the joy of that is coming. Right? It is, it, is, it is through the rain tracing the rainbow. Right? It is, it is, it is recognizing that, yes, my tears may and probably will continue to flow. But they don't fully cloud my vision as to what God is doing. And so defiant hope is holding what you know to be true. Right? That God is in the business of restoration. Even when your circumstances would tell you otherwise. Right? Holding to what you know to be true about God and his restoration, even when your circumstances would tell you otherwise. Right? Okay, now, now in saying that, I know that some of you are, are hearing that, and, and, and it sounds like I'm advocating for something uh, like either willful ignorance or, uh, or wishful thinking, right? You know, willful ignorance would be, uh, you know, inconveniently, or sorry, uh, avoiding inconvenient truths or facts that sort of uh, contradict my preconceived model of reality, you know. Uh, it's sort of like, you know, have hope, just ignore those hard realities, you know. Uh, Wizard of Oz, right? You know, ignore the man behind the curtain. Uh, just don't pretend like it's not there, right? Willful ignorance. Or, or, or maybe it sounds like wishful thinking, right? You know, uh, man, I really hope the weather is nice next weekend. Um, or I really hope I can save enough money to retire early. Right? That's very wishful. Uh, um, right? That kind of, you know, hope uh, is just irrational optimism. It's not tethered to reality. It's just optimism. But defiant hope is not willful ignorance. It is not blind to the brokenness of the world. It is not blind to the hardship you are facing. And it is also not wishful thinking, right? It's not disconnected from reality. When the Bible talks about hope, it is a legitimate and concrete and confident expectation of what God is going to do in the future. And it's based on God's faithfulness and work he's done in the past. 
right? Christian hope is forward-looking assurance that is rooted in our past experience with the Lord. At Redeemer Lincoln Square, we value questions and the people who ask them, which is why we hold a time of question and response, or Q&R, after worship on Sundays. It's an opportunity for anyone to text in questions and then process responses alongside our pastoral team and other members of our church community. If you have a question, feel free to email us at lsq at redeemer.com or join us at Q&R on a Sunday morning. And now, back to this week's sermon. Right, and that's exactly how our psalm goes, right? Again, the, the, the present petition of verse 4, right? Seeing through the tears of verse 5 through 6. Right? All of that is based on the memory of God's previous work on their behalf in verses 1 through 3. Right? And, and I'm sure you notice right, the repetition in verse 4, right? that, that language, restore our fortunes, his prayer, is pulling the exact language from the memory of verse 1, right? when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion. Right? The psalmist is looking back to some act of God, to some great thing he has done. Right? You know, Zion is the shorthand for the, for the nation of God's people. And so the psalmist is looking back and he's saying, friends, do you remember that time when we were restored? And like giving the ensuing description that comes in the next, you know, two verses, um, you know, like here's, here's how they describe what God did. Here's how they describe God's work in their lives. Like we were like those who dreamed. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues with songs of joy. Right, like given that response, it, it, it's clear to me at least that that what they're celebrating and what they're remembering is something big. It is something deeply significant, right? It's not just that they prayed, like, you know, God, I've got this hangnail. Would you, would you deal with it? And, and, and he did, like, oh, cool. Um, like, they are uh, remembering a time of elation at God's deliverance on their behalf. They're saying, oh, my goodness, God showed up in this huge way. It's why many scholars believe this is, 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 is probably a reference uh, 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 looking back to the, the time when the Israelites were freed from exile in Babylon. Right, sort of remembering this touchstone experience of God's faithfulness and work in their lives, his great salvation. Remembering what, what again, he says, the Lord has done great things for us. Right, remembering the Lord's great things. And so Defiant Hope starts with this looking back and remembering the Lord's work, remembering his kindness in the past. Right, it involves naming God's track record of restoration both in your own life and in the world, right? They're recalling this time of being surprised by God's grace, right? Can you ever remember a time when you were surprised by God's grace? And do you ever go back to that touchstone? Like, do you ever bring that to mind, call that to mind, or do you, in busyness, do we, do we prevent ourselves from returning to that, biblical, to that beautiful truth? Do you remember God's surprising grace? Right now, look, remembering is, is so hard. And, and even hope, defiant hope in particular, is hard. Right, one, one commentator, uh, her name's Christine Gordon, she, she, I, think, I thought she named our experience well, so I'll just read you a, a, a quick quote of hers. Um, here's what she says. Look, we've seen God act in the past. Uh, we have stories about his faithfulness to our families and to us individually. But that was then, and this is now. And today, the way forward looks intimidating. It looks hopeless. It looks overwhelming. We, like the psalmist, must remember how God has shown up again and again. And we must plead with him to amaze us with his mercy one more time. We cannot allow cynicism to creep in and tell us lies about God's intentions for us. 
right? Defiant hope, rejecting that cynicism and remembering God's goodness. And so if you're a Christian here, you know, part of this psalm's purpose is to prompt us to remember and to celebrate the ways that God has been faithful. Right? Again, we can be so caught up in the present stress and the struggle that we forget how God has carried us in the past. And so enduring with defiant hope starts by remembering God's work in the past, remembering his surprising grace towards you. And then it involves holding on to what you know to be true, right? As we said earlier, holding to what you know to be true. If you remember, then you will be able to cling here to these promises of verses 5 through 6, right? Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying their sheaves with them. And so I think, that the, again, these repeated promises here in verses 5 through 6, I think there's at least three uh, aspects to, to these verses. First, your tears, they are not the end of the story. Again, right, we said earlier, like, look through the tears, right, keep your eyes on the horizon. Right? One commentator put it this way, said, we can focus on our own poverty, or we can fix our eyes on the one who can do all things. Trusting that the way he has been kind to us in the past is the template for the kindness, the kind of kindness he will show us in the future. Your tears are not the end of the story. Keep looking on. Uh, second, this, uh, this is a process. Uh, sowing and reaping is, is a process. Now look, uh, I am no farmer, um, but it's my understanding that when you put seeds in the ground, you don't wake up and the next day uh, a, a big crop is right there. Right? If, if you were to, to sow corn, uh, it would take months for it to go to the seed that you place in the ground uh, to, the, to the big stalks we see, ultimately to the ears that you get to eat and enjoy during the summer. Right? This is, this is a process that he's, the psalmist is describing here. Right? That, that, that we are sowing, but that we are not going to reap immediately. And yet, if you're like me, you tend to have this sort of popcorn mindset. Right? We want something convenient, something immediate. Right? You want to put it in the microwave, hit two minutes, and then it, your, your delicious bowl of popcorn is ready to go. Right, the promise here is not one of immediate restoration. Right, it sets our expectations. The promise is not immediate restoration, but it is that God ultimately will make all things right. He will make all things new. He will right all wrongs. Right, that he, even when we don't see the growth happening, he is still working to grow these seeds. And that even if you do not know joy today, you do not know it tomorrow. You will know it again. Right, this is a process. And then third, um, God does not waste your pain. Right, again, no farmer, but seeds, as far as I know, need water to grow. And, and based on what I read here in this description, it seems as if somehow your tears are what God is using. That through those tears, God is working to bring abundant growth. I, mean, I was reading this and reminded of, of the, the Apostle Paul, his words in 2 Corinthians 4. Right? He says, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. Right? God will not waste your pain. Well, let, let, me, let, me, let me conclude one, uh, one last uh, illustration. If, uh, 
I don't know if any of you have seen uh, the BBC docuseries uh, Planet Earth. It's, it came out a number of years ago, uh, back when we still had like DVDs, Blu-ray, you know. Um, uh, but it's amazing. If you haven't seen it, I, I, would, I would commend it to you. Uh, and they had these ep- one episode on, on deserts. And uh, in deserts, they highlight uh, Death Valley, California. I don't know if you're familiar with Death Valley, but it is, it is basically rock and dust and salt flats, right? It is uh, the driest place in the U.S., uh, the lowest elevation in North America, uh, and it is the hottest place on Earth. Um, it, near, even this summer, it's gotten up to near 130 degrees. Uh, you know, I mean, if you thought the, that hot car on the subway was warm, right, like you haven't experienced Death Valley, right? Um, and so, but anyway, in this, in this episode, right, uh, the, the, the narrator for Planet Earth, um, and I will spare you my attempt at a British accent, uh, he says this, you know, Death Valley is the hottest place on Earth. Yet, even this furnace can be transformed by water. And, and, and what you see with their, you know, the, the magic of time-lapse cameras, right, is that this hottest and driest and lowest place even in Death Valley in time, there are what they call a super bloom, where when the rain does come, this desert bursts to life, right? It is covered with gorgeous wildflowers and grass in a place that you would think there could never be life here. And that is what God does, right? In his grace, he brings life to the driest and most lifeless place of the world, right? The damaged relationship that you can't imagine being fixed, Right, the persistent loneliness that you have sat with for years. Right, the promise of, of, of the Christian message, the gospel, is that there is nothing and nowhere beyond the reach of God's restoration. He can bring rain to the Negev. He can turn that small seed to the bushel of food. Like, he has done it. Jesus Christ has brought life out of death in his resurrection and, and offers that same promise to all of those who trust in him. So what do you do with your longing for restoration? If you're here and and, and you're considering Christianity, what do you do? I hope that you'll consider that this message, that Jesus' life and his grace and his resurrection, it's not just a myth. It's not just for for other people. It is for you. And if you're here and you are Christian, here's here's your homework I'll send you with. Take this psalm with you this week. Make this your sort of song for the road. When you are faced with hardship or brokenness, right, make this your prayer. Right, remember God's love and faithfulness in the past. Right, ask for his help and restoration as a first resort, not your last. And then cling to this promise that ultimately all who sow brokenness with tears will finally reap restoration with songs of joy. Um, let, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we... Uh, we need your help. Um, it, is, it is our tendency to uh, come to you last and not first. Uh, and, and, and because, and frankly, this is hard to believe. It is hard to believe that as we, we sow brokenness with tears, that it will someday, we will someday reap uh, with shouts of joy. Uh, and yet, Lord, I pray that by your spirit, you would uh, enable us uh, to do this. Enable us that in our longing um, to, to be people of defiant hope, to, who say no to cynicism, and, and who say yes to trusting your goodness. As we remember how you've acted uh, on behalf of our, uh, our forefathers and as you've acted in our lives, that we would be enabled uh, to walk uh, throughout life uh, knowing that you are for us, knowing that you are with us, knowing that you are good. And Lord, that you would grow in us a sense as we read this psalm, as we take this with us, um, of that truth and of that beauty. 
Uh, Lord, make us people who remember the resurrection and place our hope uh, and root it in that as we look forward and look ahead. Uh, we pray all these things and ask them all in the powerful name of Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We pray that it's a helpful resource as you process aspects of Christianity and grow in your faith. To learn more about our church, including details about Sunday worship, check out our website at RedeemerLSQ.com.